You're riding on the Denial Bus with Patty Crouch and Holly Gates. Okay, before you start this episode, make sure you've listened to part one because you're going to want to listen to it, okay? If you haven't listened to it, it's the episode before this. So go ahead and take a listen. Okay, so let's go back to what Holly was inferring to. Like, So there are physical attributes where you can tell that something's not quite healthy with Asher, like something's not quite right. Or as far yeah. as what people think. Like what people think. Like, saying, and yeah, like yeah. You know, you're saying like you don't care about what people think. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, what are, like what, I don't know, what are they? I don't know this kid. So I like, so, so rude well, asking like, yeah. does he, is he like, <laughs> what does your kid look like? What yeah. makes him look I'm like, weird? I'm thinking wonder, <laughs> does he have no face or are we more like, you know, like where are we on this? Because Jackson, if you look at him from afar, you're like, oh, he's a normal kid. And then as mm-hmm. you start talking to him, you're like, oh, he's so not a normal kid. Like, but it takes an interaction. Like, it takes you stopping sure. and looking at our family and going, oh, okay, there's something up with this guy. You know, like he's, yeah, he doesn't present very physical until you talk to him. And then you're like, okay, he, there's something not quite right kind of thing. Sure, sure. Um, so explain yeah, that. And, yeah. So, yeah, Asher, like, um neurologically he's totally healthy um but his i think just like looking at him you wouldn't i mean i don't know <laughs> during his mom around him all the time i can't tell but i think just looking at him you can't really tell anything um from that but he had all his medical devices are hidden under the skin or under the clothes <laughs> under the skin. Um, how many devices and so, does he have um he has three See, that, that are, yeah, connected to his body. so much more work. It's like your bedtime routine is yeah. not just brush your teeth. Oh, gosh. You know, I no. feel like mine's a little bit more because <laughs> it's brush your teeth and spray your hair because they're black and need a bonnet. Like, mine's <laughs> yeah. a little bit added, but I couldn't imagine. It's like brush your teeth and then make sure these batteries are safe and then make sure that this is clean and then make sure that's done and make sure, oh, what, is it Sunday? You need to redo this part of your, you know? Like, there's probably yeah. so many more There's a lot of devices, out. yes. And a lot of, like, there's some daily that hurt him and cause pain or fear you know when we change them up week there's one that he'll scream and he like it's just a lot of anxiety and um, he's been traumatized by all this medical stuff because there's certain kids who like are they're like oh I can handle anything because I've had so many surgeries and there are other kids who Mm -hmm. are traumatized by it and I would be definitely one of those kids that is traumatized by it (laughs) well you know he He's like, I mean, he's doing way better than I would have <laughs> being the kid that I was. Um, he is so awesome. I'm always like blown away by him and inspired because he, like, he just you know, doesn't care. At least right now he's in third grade. But I mean, he's getting more where he's like, okay, I want to like wear certain shirts and make sure I'm hiding everything. Um, but he's just so cool. Like he, he thinks it's all funny and he's awesome. He just takes stride. Um, but there was like when he was two, like a specific medical device that I changed his G tube at home that created, like he'd never had anything done at home. Everything was, we go to the hospital and that is where trauma occurs. Mm. And so at home he was fine. You know, I mean, it was just like typical, okay, he's going to freak out and scream at the hospital, which is totally understandable. understandable. Yeah. Um, but after that moment, he started having panic attacks and 
he was diagnosed with PTSD until he was four and a half. And so he like had a, he would have a panic attack for four hours, right? I couldn't even touch him. He would just scream and wouldn't let me get near him. And it was like the next day that started. And he was afraid of kids. We had, we stopped going to church. We couldn't leave the house and go anywhere. Um, the doctors prescribed like all kinds of anti-anxiety meds and even um, a like called Versed, which now at the hospital we're at now, they would never give it to you unless you're like ready for surgery because it could kind of put you to, in a sleepy mode and could possibly put you to sleep. But I would give him Versed. They gave it. They prescribed it to me to give him before every doctor appointment, even if they weren't going to touch him because he was that. Wow. impossible to get in the door and that upset that they were like whoa this kid like this is not normal <laughs> he's having a panic attack yeah. so um so yeah he would have a panic attack. like after that he started having panic attacks if the curtains blew when the air conditioner came on if a bug was in the house flying around if a kid came to the house if if someone walked up to the door and rang the doorbell like if we like got out of a rocking chair and it kept rocking he would freak like just start screaming like instantly um and go into this crazy state for you know like several hours up to um so we didn't know what to do i mean <laughs> i realized now like okay i totally traumatized him because i changed it at home and then home wasn't safe anymore um but what and, else are we gonna do like uh, yeah. what, you rent an apartment so you can go to the apartment yeah. so that you can change this, this apartment is the bad place but this, we'll, you know like now our house is trauma free right what do you do yeah you rent and, 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 garage or something like I, like what else are I you know. supposed to do like that well it helps that we gave that medicine to him that like those anxiety meds and, and Versed also takes your memory away so for about a year every time we went to the hospital he would get this medicine and so he kind of <laughs> forgot some of the trauma and then we moved to Colorado. So that, I feel like the move was the best thing that helped. Oh, Although yeah. he would still have panic attacks if he saw a swing. I mean, he couldn't get on a swing he, and he didn't want to be around swings or parks or kids. And I so, wonder if there was a swing in distance <laughs> of his like window or something. There's a book called The Body Keeps yeah. Score, which is all about trauma and how your body mm -hmm. remembers and how there's different types of memory. And we yeah. always talk about memory as like, the visual one that you can ha put words to, but there's also implicit yeah. memory, which is just memory of emotions and feelings and how things like that. So he probably had so many things like the swing one probably sounds so crazy to us, but it maybe yeah. he passed a swing on the like a park when you're parking. And so then he associates the swing with going to the hospital. So that's why the swing, like it's so crazy how the brain yeah. works that you, I mean, you would never that's know. Yeah, oh, well, it took us a long time. Yeah, and it was in there too. You can't explain and verbalize what you're going through oh, no, either, and we can't rationalize with him. So when he was finally four and a half, he he would all like he was finally I think around four. He would start saying "spinny, spinny, it's spinny," like about the swings or the rocking chair or, or a bug in the house or you know anything. He would say it's spinny, and we're like, "No, it's not spinny." You know, stop. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Like trying to talk him down that way. Uh, which of course didn't do any good. <laughs> but, um, finally, like Dave, he's a plumber, and he was um, at someone's house, and this got to talking to this lady who happened to be a PTSD counselor for soldiers, and he was talking to her, to her about Asher and his symptoms, and she's like, "Oh, well, he's getting vertigo." Like <laughs> she said, it's typical. Like some people, when they go into a panic attack, they start feeling super dizzy, and that is absolutely wow. like it'll fuel the panic. Um, cause your brain just kind of can't handle it anymore. Um, and so it kind of starts to like, you know, spin around. 
So we spinny. asked him, but at that point, I'm like, oh, Asher, are you feeling dizzy when you say spinny? Um, he said, yes. <laughs> like, oh. So we, you know, called like a vestibular therapist, see if it was like his inner ear, his balance was off or something like, you know, was it a physical dizziness? Which is your go-to because um, everything's been physical. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm like, My let's go-to just, is like, let's what emotional thing that we do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we got counselors, therapists, you know, through everybody in there. And the first time was like, she said that when she was pregnant, she had some sort of like epilepsy episode that was just related to having a, um, a baby, but it was in a sports arena. And she said that later she tried to go into a sports arena afterwards. Like, you know, she's an adult. She knew like, there's nothing that's going to happen. I'm not pregnant. Like there's no chance I'm going to have a seizure right now. And she wanted to, she couldn't, she said her body would not go into the sports arena because she was starting to have a panic attack she and she couldn't even talk herself out of it. And so she said, Asher, may have had an episode where he remembers that scary feeling of dizziness. And now he just keeps saying, that's spinny. That's going to make me feel that way. And that's why he's scared of it because he thinks it's going to cause that to happen. That makes complete um, sense. Yeah. And so I told him like the next day, I was like, hey, Asher, we're going to this lady. She's going to make it so you're not spinny anymore. And he's like, oh, okay. And it was like, that was it. That like ended all the panic attacks practically almost overnight. I mean, he gradually got on swings after that, and he was scared to try it, but he did. And he's like, well, this is fun. Like, this is not making me feel dizzy. I feel okay. I'm okay. Um, but once we had the words to discuss it, and we knew what we were ta- talking about, and I could actually you know, say, oh, okay, I'm so sorry you're feeling that way. <laughs> and, you know, validate him instead of just saying, no, that's not funny. Um, he could get over it. Like, it was, it was wonderful. Now he doesn't even remember all that stuff. But it was like, you know, terrible two years of our life. We were yeah. like, what are we going to do with this kid? He's going to be this way forever. And he can't even be normal. He can't, you know, be around kids. And it was awful. Isn't that funny how your body goes or your brain goes, no, your heart goes, this is going to be like this forever. Like, this yeah. is our life. We're screwed. <laughs> this is how, the way it's going to be. And then your your brain logically knows, like, the chaos does not last forever. Like, it's going to, yeah, are going to, it's Things fine. Things are constantly changing. Things are constantly changing. Yeah. But it's like a meteor, like, something no, else we're fine. Yeah. We're, it's like Jackson's are forever throw chairs. He's going to be 29 years old throwing chairs. Like, that's what it's going to be. In reality, it's right, like, right. I'm pretty sure we can get him to not throw a chair and maybe just scream. Like, I'm pretty sure he can be 29 right. just screaming, and that'll be mm. way better than throwing the chairs, you know? <laughs> exactly. Crazy. Funny. So how is Asher and his self-esteem with all of it? Because I know um, – you're protecting his story, so, like, I totally yeah, get that yeah. part. But, like, my daughter has, like, the worst self-esteem just being dyslexic because she realizes her brain oh. is different, but in her head, different is bad, and she is dumb. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, so hard. So I can imagine that nine years old, like, my my daughter just told me two days ago that because she is stupid and everyone's better than her, she has no friends. Oh. And it's just, like, you want to, oh like, God. break your heart. And so I can't imagine, like, him going, we have to hide this. I need to make sure that I'm... I look cool and like, I, you know, I need to be like yeah. Holly. I need to be cool. <laughs> right. I'm going to go to the prom six <laughs> times. <laughs> Not go six uh, times. I don't know where this came from. <laughs> I remember six. So that is true. Um, but uh, I think um, he is so, like amazingly confident. And so I'm like, so thankful for that every day because that, that's my worst fear. I think, you know, all the medical stuff doesn't really matter what he has. It matters how he deals with it. You know, obviously how his emotional state is going to yeah. be when he becomes a teenager. And so that I'm always afraid and waiting for that day um, that he gets a little bit older. And I think 
I'm, I'm just afraid he's, you know, emotionally he's going to get worse. But right now he's, he's awesome. He, I can't even believe that he, um, super confident, has tons of friends. He's hilarious. Like he's super witty, uh, which makes him hard to mother sometimes. <laughs> he's constantly sarcastic. But, um, um, yeah, he's, he's awesome. Like his teacher's like, oh my goodness, he has tons of friends. He fits in like, he, he, you like nobody treats him any different. He's he's awesome. Um, That's but awesome. I know like he looks. I mean, it's frustrating for me because he is nine and he's the size of like a four or five year old. And because I think about it, he's the same height as Nolan, right? He's Nolan's yeah. five. Yeah. But um, and he um, looks completely so, yeah. normal. So you would, if you saw him on the street, you wouldn't think that. But then if you saw another kid come up, like all the kids in his class. Come next to him. Right. Or, and you found out they were the same age, you'd go, oh, okay. Like, oh, what's wrong with him? Yeah. <laughs> I always think, I, so part of me is a little bit smug, though, like at a park, because if someone whose kid is, you know, five and runs up, and they see Asher, and they assume, of course, they're the same age, um, and they realize, whoa, Asher's so, so much more mature than my kid. Like, oh, wow, he's such an advanced oh, spider. I would totally like, yeah. use that. I would totally lie yeah. to every stranger and be like, yeah. He's only like, I mean, he's, he's almost reading six, at a third he's grade really level. Brilliant. Like he's, <laughs> yeah. he's reading at a third grade level. I mean, he's actually, he's in the third grade. You had to jump him already. Yeah. These grade levels. Like I would totally yeah. make other mothers feel horrible. I would not do that. Actually. No mommy wars. No mommy wars. We're anti mommy wars. But my head would think that. Oh, it would be we so would much fun to play with head. people. Yeah, yeah. Like it would be so much fun to play with people. It would be like, oh no. <laughs> Especially when he's older, older. Like if he continues to not to be a couple deviations smaller. You know, yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, no, he's only, yeah, he's 16 going into college. <laughs> that's right. That's but yeah, I mean, I, that's like a constant worry for the future. Because I think now it's not that big a deal. For a while, he was only like two inches shorter than all his friends, which at that age, everybody's different sizes. And yeah. um, now he's like, wait, he's not even near the chart. He stopped growing completely. So he's been 40 pounds for the past like three and a half years. Um, so <laughs> he just stopped growing. So now, now we're like that's our goal, our struggle and our worry. And, you know, he's fed through a tube and like, we're, we're just always trying the next thing. And we're kind of at a standstill right now with GI and all his doctors are kind of like, well, there's not much else to try. And right now we're just kind of guessing. <laughs> his doctor actually called it voodoo. He's like, right now it's like, just kind of try this, try that. We'll see what happens. Um, Cause there's not really any one right answer or solution to figure out why he's not growing. Um, cause they knew, like, we always knew he'd be short. We told him that, like, hey, dude, you're not going to be tall and who cares? Like, it doesn't matter. We try, <laughs> we like try to make everything light and fluffy and not a big deal. Um, but like, you can't run very fast, you know, with your peers, just like, don't work as well. Um, but who cares? Like, running you don't need for life, you know. You'll be a businessman or whatever. Like, <laughs> we make it, try to make it cool. Um, so he's, he's really content with all that. But as, kids continue to grow and he continues to stay the same height it gets worse and, and his sister is gaining on him quickly um and so I, that hurts their relationship um because he gets like jealous of her <laughs> resentful of her and sometimes I feel nervous for the years to come that's my main concern like health-wise he'll always have issues but he's stable it's more his emotional like well-being and feeling just content with life like I want him to you know, know he's a child of God and love the Lord and, and not worry about the rest. But I, I just don't know how that would be possible. Because I know I wouldn't have been able to, you know. <laughs> I was such a worry word and cared so much what people thought. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. That's my my main, main struggle and worry. Well, I'm happy to hear that he's stable. So at least that's not yeah. 
a worry. Yeah. I was talking to Holly about that because in my head, I sometimes feel guilty for being complaining or I don't know, whatever, being so sad or woe is me or whatever. When I'm just like, well, there was never a moment where my child was going to lose their life. Like yeah. there's no yeah. more moment where I mean, I guess maybe with open heart surgery, but in reality, it's like, that's the first surgery that heart surgeons like perform. So yeah. even that was like washing your face to them, you know? So yeah. There's never yeah. a moment of like, I'm going to lose Jackson, you know? And so I can't imagine like yeah. having, like, I, I feel guilty for thinking, well, I was never going to lose my son. So why am I complaining? At least I have him, you know? So I'm happy that yeah. you don't have to have that worry anymore. But at the same time, like, the emotional stuff is so much harder to parent. Like, right. I, I, right. How do you convince your child that they're not stupid? Like, you know, they're not stupid. Everyone around them knows they're not stupid, but they, they have to believe they're not stupid. So like, no matter how much you say, yeah. it doesn't matter that you're not tall or you can't run. Like if he chooses that is what he wants to hang on to, yeah. then it's like it's so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. And he has a lot of, yeah. it's great because where they are, there's a lot of family and a lot of cousins and they're all the same age, which is great. But then I think that, does that make it harder because then the other cousins are getting really tall? They're really good at sports and they're. Yeah, he's comparing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. I, what I say is just make a list of all the things he's in any therapy for. That way it just makes it easier for the therapist <laughs> in the future. Right. Well, we actually got him a, a, another therapist this summer that specializes in kids with chronic medical conditions and because it's like doing the best he's ever done probably just emotionally and as a as a human this summer I thought okay let's let's get him to see somebody and just establish care with this lady so that you know if he doesn't like her cool like we'll shop around we'll find the right one thinks like he likes her but so that when things arise he knows exactly who to go to then we're not scrambling to Mm-hmm. you know that That's maybe really there's already smart. stuff there and she can talk to him and, and so, even if you're just going yeah, once a really month helpful. right now just to build a relation yeah. yeah i mean that's one of the reasons exactly. you started with ours our emotional therapist mm-hmm. So funny too. I have to say, emotional therapist because we have an occupational therapist, <laughs> yes. a physical therapist, right. a speech therapist, <laughs> yeah. and a behavioral therapist. Yes. So in my head, I'm like an emotional therapist, and people always look at me weird. I'm like, there's a lot of therapists in my life. Yeah, <laughs> um, just go with it. Just go with it. Yeah, and we chose like we were gonna. We could have gone. Well, we got blessed. Now it's a free route anyway. But we were gonna go the free route of like a medical kind of paying for it. But the turnover oh, yeah. is so high, and I was like, well, the whole mm-hmm. point is for you to yeah. have someone. When yeah, you're a teenager mm-hmm. to go to that's the same you know like he knows your history yeah, yeah like miss robin's gonna them. be in our life for the rest and so we budgeted like 800 dollars for therapy wow. every month just to make sure that it was gonna be fine she, there ended up being some program that she, they qualified for that this therapist does and was like i don't know if you want to use this program i'll do all the paperwork and it'll be free i'm like uh why would i say uh, that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> i had it work I signed, uh, but you're I signed, gonna do it for me. Uh. I signed three more papers, and that was it. She did everything else. Like it wasn't even. Oh wow! Like how anything. is that possible? How, what are you it's doing? She amazing. sees both of the kids, and then she'll probably end up seeing Jackson when he you know is a little bit more able. <laughs> yeah, there are a couple of years there where I was like, I am not a stay at home mom. I have a part time job. Like I'm basically just the secretary for Asher, and like, I would spend yeah. hours on the phone with doctors and like setting up all his care he had like eight he has like eight he has more than eight specialists now but there was a time when we like had to move all the specialists when I moved here and that summer I thought oh my word like all I do is sit on the phone like Dave comes home and it's like the house is a wreck and no food made I'm like 
seriously, I promise you, I was so busy. <laughs> like, I was I on the phone all phone. day, not with friends. Like, I was setting up appointments, like, doing paperwork, endless amounts of paperwork. So, like, there are so many hours a day that I am just working for this kid. Do you get to the point where you're like, oh, that wasn't that long. There's only 25 minutes. And someone's like, you were on hold for 25 minutes. I'm like, well, if I was on hold with this people, it was 45. And this yeah. other person never even called me back. And like... So 25 minutes you're, like, excited about, and everyone else is like, that's not normal. Like, no. I know. Then they come back from hold, I forget who I was talking to. Because it's been, like, I've been talking to so many, and I don't know who I'm with now. Like, wait, what were we talking about? Why did I call you? What what did we do? I've been doing dishes while you're on hold, so. Yeah. Um, Now, didn't you, you took some sort of course and got qualified so you could get paid. It's like an IHSS kind of thing. Yeah, IHSS. Yeah, it's a Medicaid waiver. Okay. Okay, wait, hold on. So IHSS is a in-home support services. So basically, in California, and every they make it really easy. And every state has their own different one and has a different acronym for it. So that's really nice. Um, So basically, you become since they require so much care, you become the nurse. You get paid as like I don't want to say the nurse because the nurses are like way higher qualified and right. It's a certified nurse assistant. Oh, so the CNA, certified nurse assistant. Yeah. Because she has to do nurse duties. Like, gotcha. okay. That's yeah. awesome. Well, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, it's funny. Oh, yeah. So they basically, like, he qualifies for Medicaid 100% based off his disability alone. Like, they don't look at our income. They don't, like, because at first we were all kind of a buy in program and trying all these things. And finally, someone told us about this waiver um, where basically, if your kid, if you didn't do for your kid what you do for them at home, they would have to live at a hospital or an institution. And so like, that was kind of, I think, the level of care that you give. And so then he qualified for Medicaid 100%. And then um, through the Medicaid waiver, yes, I qualified so that, like, basically, I guess if I wanted to go work, they would pay for someone to come in the home, a certified nurse assistant, and come in and take care of him. But since I'm staying home, they'll pay me to do that. So it's it's crazy and amazing. Because, I mean, Asher, he goes to school. He can walk around. Like, But for people who, you know... And, and, and Dave, I was a stay-at-home mom anyway, but so many people, they live off two incomes, and mm-hmm. their kid, you know, is in a wheelchair, and, and there's still, like, 24 hours worth of care, you know, and night care. It's like they <laughs> barely keep in their head above the water, and they can be paid to then also, like, be the caregiver for their child. So their kid doesn't have to basically go and be in an assisted living place all day long or, you know, in an institution to be cared for. So well, and you're doing a lot. It's a really great program. Too, Cassie. But, like you deserve to get paid for doing all the devices and everything that you're doing. So yeah. 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 So it feels silly, but I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> it's available and I'll take it. And I'm so it's, it's interesting so, yeah, you say that because we are trying to get IHSS for Jackson for the same reason. And like this, he, yeah. you know, he has to be watched every second of the day or he'll run out into the middle of the street. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's interesting because you get that guilt of like, but do I really deserve this? Like there are so many other people who (laughs) do so much more than I do. And then you have to stop and think, but there are also so many people who don't do nearly (laughs) as much as you know, like their bedtime routine doesn't involve cleaning devices and getting things ready. And like, you know, like they're not shopping for specially looked shirts so that your kid can have self-esteem and feel like they don't have something on them. You know, like there's a lot more that you do. That if you stop doing, you'd be like, oh, all right. Yeah. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. I feel like you forget that your normal is not normal sometimes. Because true. you're just so That's used to doing true. it. That it's like, oh, 
That's right. These other people don't do this. So <laughs> at least that's how I'm feeling with like school meetings at the present moment. <laughs> um, that's awesome. So what would you say to a mom who finds out that their child is going to be medically high maintenance? I'm going to say high maintenance because I don't want to say fragile because Asher's not fragile anymore. So like medically high maintenance. Yeah. Um. Oh my. Sorry. I think about this a lot because, I, well, on our Facebook group, a lot of, like, there's constantly new moms joining saying, I just got diagnosed with this, you know, my baby's in the womb, help me, like, freaking out. And um, so I'm thinking, what do I say to them? Because I, um, a lot of it, we just say, it gets better. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Because the hardest part, and, and it took me a year to find this Facebook group, and if I found it earlier, I think it would have been more helpful. But the hardest part is the unknown about his condition because they, they say, well, we don't know what his life's going to be like. And even within all the kids on the Facebook page, most of them, like a lot of them are in wheelchairs. A lot of them are, can walk, a lot of them can run. Like there's, there's such a variation in the um, severity of the, so um, even within that, it's like, you just don't know what your kid's going to be like or how they're going to do. So the unknown is what kills you at the everyday of, I don't know. Um, how this is going to turn out. So to just say like, it, it will get better. Like all these kids are okay. And like, even like all of them, they're, they're doing great and they're awesome and they're fun. So they're going to be able to encourage them. Like it will get better. This is the hardest part, the unknown and the worry. And, you know, once you go through a couple surgeries, like you'll be fine. It sounds like terrible advice, but um, <laughs> that's, I guess what I would say on the fly, <laughs> that it gets better. Like, like you said, it becomes a normal and you'll get used to it. Um, that is what but you're I'm sorry. Know, and it's the hardest part. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Like, I know people are always like anti-Facebook is like the government's listening and all sorts of stuff. But in the end, I'm like, <laughs> when you use it for good, like it bring real, it brings a lot of people. Together. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, like I it was the first time I felt alive again after I found that group. I was like, oh, Dave, like there's something in me. I felt like for a second there, like a spark of hope. Yeah. Because there's other people and they know what I'm going through. Because, yeah, when you have special needs kids and you talk to all your friends have regular kids, <laughs> you're like, or I shouldn't say regular, that sounds terrible, but, you know, healthy. Like I'm saying, um, you feel so alone. And and I don't want to talk about it. All. Like, I just don't want to be someone who's always talking about my kid and his problems. Yeah. I want to be that fun friend that I always was. So I just want to <laughs> rush it like, oh, he's doing great. How are you? Tell me about you. So I didn't want to talk about him. And I just knew people wouldn't understand anyway, so I just didn't want to get into it. So then you just feel more and more alone. So, yeah, having well, I, that group oh, is just, yeah. like, life-giving, life-changing. Well, it changed the course of his series, too, because I found out what others were doing and what others had planned and all that kind of stuff. I feel like you get to be yourself with them because when you yeah. talk mm -hmm. to someone else who doesn't understand, it ends up asking more questions, and then you end up not being able to talk about the actual emotion of it all or actually mm -hmm. what you needed yeah. help with. Or anything because it just they don't get it. So there's more questions, and then it ends up just like an infomercial of you explaining all these things, and then not being beneficial <laughs> right. to you. Does that make sense? Right, but and I just have feel group, guilty because I'm like I'm just making this person feel awkward. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I, also, like you were saying, you have to actually make medical decisions for him. So I feel like this group, you guys can actually like, has anybody done this surgery? Okay, we waited yeah. until they were this exactly. age and, and then could do this by themselves and then this. So mm -hmm. you've learned a lot of actual medical advice from just this. Yeah. Well, I've even told our, I come like started 
discussions with the surgeons like okay so from facebook i got this <laughs> and they're like okay tell me more okay well we'll do that test like it has yeah. changed the course of all his stuff like yeah it's crazy because there's so many new things popping up everywhere and a lot of the kids do go to baltimore since i like these specialty hospitals that a lot of these kids go to and so whatever they're doing i'm like hey okay let's do that <laughs> my surgeon will be like oh i'll call that doctor up and see like okay that sounds good i'll oh, i'll go see what they're doing over there or i've talked to that surgeon or okay yeah let's let's go that route that's a good idea so, so it helps on so many levels the building yeah. alone mm-hmm. i feel like is the biggest thing is yeah like we're not Definitely. meant to be alone like we're meant to be in community and so when you mm-hmm. feel alone in these kind of things it's like it can be daunting and then makes you go into a spiral of even crazy. So it's nice to have these groups and then they don't know you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so they don't have to judge, you know, like you're not necessarily getting together for coffee. Although it's nice. Like right. I wish I really, I actually wish I had someone who had a child with FASD that I could get coffee with so that we can really talk about it. I know Cassie's met up with some of the people and none of them, cause it's, it's rare so they're not down the street. It's not like me where there's mm-hmm. a million autistic kids, sadly, so close by. Yeah. But, uh, oh. yeah, you'll get together with these people and. Um, they become lifelong friends. Yeah. You know. And I know there's yeah. even like camps and stuff now. Like I, I love where we're headed with this kind of stuff because it's like there's just all these very specific like specialty camps and things popping up. Like you guys took Asher somewhere over the summer and it was just mom, dad, and Asher, and he went like zip lining and did all these cool things. It was for kids with uh, health issues and physical yeah. issues, and and they all had like similar things, and they were all doing like cool. So they could all play sports together, and it didn't matter if they weren't, you know, they were all kind of on the same level. And right, it was right. so cool. That is, it awesome. was very cool. They can laugh about it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Feel normal. Need that too. Like Asher, we need. Yeah, to talk about. Asher's going to need that also. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a sleepaway camp for like a whole week. When he turns eleven, he can go. That's very specific, and it goes a different place in the country every year. Um, his diagnosis, and I cannot wait. And I, I've already like told some of the moms that are like, my favorite friends, like <laughs> on the Facebook group, like, okay, we are going to fly our kids out and then we're going to have a week of just getting to hang out in person because we've never met in person but like I feel like I know these people more than most you know I'm like let's do it let's already plan when they're 11 we're going to hang out so anyway that will be awesome (laughs) okay so one of the things that also we all um sorry I'm going to mark that because I'm (laughs) So one of the things I think people always miss a lot is that it puts such a strain on the other people in the family. Like Mm -hmm. you spend so much time. I mean, you're spending two and a half months at the hospital while your child's in NICU and then there's a 19 hour surgery and it's like you want your husband to support you, but at the same time you need to support him. And then there's like, how do you do self-care plus maintaining marriage? Like there's just so much to that aspect of a marriage. How did David handle all of this? How did you guys handle that with your marriage and whatnot? Like what effect did it have? It was very hard. I mean, of course, I think the like 80% of parents with special needs kids get a divorce or something. I don't know where they got that, but I've heard that before, (laughs) which is a very grim, terrible um, (laughs) um, thought. But uh, emotionally it was, it was hard because I know 
since Dave was emotional and I thought I was being a rock <laughs> when I was just heartless, um, of course, I, for a while, I even looked down on him, like, oh, man, like, he can't handle this, so I'll just do it. Like, I'll jump in. He's nervous about the surgery. I'll just take over. You know, I'll, I'll do all this. I'll make the decisions. And so I kind of, like, thought, oh, I'm better than him right now because I'm being um, so strong. You know, I have to be the strong one. Um, and so that was not good on our relationship, obviously. Um, I had to get in a little more healthy perspective on that. Um, I realized he was just feeling like a normal human should feel. Um, and he had a heart during the whole process. So his heart was broken and I just felt nothing. So it was a terrible time. And like, I didn't really yeah. feel, yes. And I didn't feel, you know, I, of course I was walled off from my heart. So I didn't feel that much love for my kids, but I also didn't feel love for like God. I even, like, when I did pray, like I, like, I, I wanted to be a missionary my whole life. I went to Bible college to become a missionary. <laughs> so, like, I was I had a strong and close relationship with the Lord. Um, and I was like, Lord, I don't feel anything for you. I don't know why. And I, I want to love you, but I don't. I don't feel anything. So, I didn't feel love for the Lord. So, I wasn't feeling a whole lot of love for my husband either. I was feeling frustration, you know. <laughs> and so, again, I had that bitterness. So, of course, I poured it out on him. And so, it, it was just very... Is breaking, but you're not yeah. probably comforting him because you were no. totally no. closed off. So you're both feeling just awful. We're both on our own, suffering separately. Um, so yeah, it it was very hard. Um, I think it took me to start praying again, you know, and for us to move here, just to kind of get out of um, our funk. I think get out of our situation. Um, for it to get a lot better. And for me, like, to start talking to Christian counselors and to people start talking about it. Because um, keeping it all bottled up and uh, was festering. Because in my own head, I would make things so much worse. And come to find out, um, about a year ago, I think, I was I went to the doctor because I was like, man, I am a terrible mother. And I'm constantly getting so angry and screaming and yelling at my kids from stupid things. Um and I don't want to, and I don't know what's wrong with me. And so she did a blood work test. I was like, please find something wrong so I can blame it on this. Because I was like, I'm a terrible mother. Like, <laughs> nope, you're right. You're just a terrible mother. Everything's fine. Yeah, but they, um, she came back and said, your testosterone is through the roof. And she's like, I, you know, would expect you to just be like punching people. <laughs> I was like, thank goodness. Like, I can so blame I'm this on something. better like, than I was expected. So aggressive. <laughs> Yes, I was like, thank goodness, it was my birth control. She said it's like somehow it was keeping the estrogen so low that my testosterone was just taken over. So, I, yeah, she's like, I had outrageous numbers of testosterone. So I was so happy to blame it on something. Yes. <laughs> and um, also realized that every time I got upset, like, you know, stupid little tiny things you know you fight about with your husband I would immediately go to this deep anger like <laughs> I need to run up and like punch the bed and punch things and like it blew it out of proportion in my own head and I realized okay like I was able to say wow that is not real like <laughs> I, that situation was not a big deal and I blew it out of proportion so I feel bad poor Dave had to like live with me like that I was this crazy psycho and my kids because I was, I would get so angry. I'd want to just kick something and stop. And I was like, Ooh. like I didn't want to tell the doctor, but like I want to hit my kids because I'm so frustrated. But like I, I, it's, I struggle to keep myself calm. And so it was so nice to hear that I had a problem and that we could fix it. So it was easy. <laughs> much life better now. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I mean, I'm still. It's a habit now. 
it was a habit. So it, even this year, I'm still not good at staying calm. I'm still working on that um, every day. But trying to relearn, like, oh, being a nice, calm person um, in light of kids screaming and tantrums and everything and being able to respond like I want to in my head, like, you know, as like, hey, well, you're acting out. Here's your punishment. And then, you know, <laughs> so it's a, it's a process. But that, yes, the marriage, of course, if I'm acting like that, it was, it was suffering. But it's so much better now that we know what was going on. Like, um, and we both talk to counselors. So it just, oh, it helps to talk to people. You can't, like, stress that enough. Yes. So. It does help to talk to people mm. a whole lot. Do you, is there anything you, like, do to guard your marriage now? Like, do you guys um, do, like, the standing date or do you, like, for instance, right, right now I'm realizing, like, Chris made a comment maybe three or four months ago. He's like, but what about me? Like, you do this for the kids and this and this and this. But it wasn't like, it was, I was planning the week and I was kind of going, well, this and this, but then I'll be with the kids all week. And he's like, but then you and I haven't talked for seven days. He's like, uh, what about me and my yeah. time? So now I choose him over other things I think need to be done. Like I haven't edited the podcast in a long time. Sorry, people. But it's because I'm choosing, instead of editing, if he's home at night, I'm choosing to be with him versus doing editing. I'm trying to figure the editing out somewhere else. So it's like I'm choosing him over these other things that I keep saying in my head. Oh, but he'll understand. Mm -hmm. Like he understands. He's an adult. He'll understand that I yeah. can't get to him right now. But in reality, it's like he does understand, but doesn't mean it's right for him, you know? Right, right. Um, it's just a new thing that's happening in the last, like, two weeks, so. <laughs> wow. uh, is there anything, I mean, because Asher probably still takes more time in daily routines and whatnot than others. Yeah, definitely. Like, we, like, dates, I mean, at first, his first two years when we lived in South Dakota, we really didn't go on almost any dates at all. Like we had a nice adult friend who would come over. She was awesome and she'd watch Asher for us sometimes. But it was like we couldn't have a babysitter. We couldn't like leave for very long. Um, so we didn't do a whole lot. And, and we didn't, we, we didn't have emotion, like emotional um, energy to do anything. Mm -hmm. yeah. I just wanted to sit. Like all we wanted to do was sit and zone out in front of the TV because that was the only thing that felt like, it would numb the pain. You know, like, we wanted to escape reality. We couldn't watch anything negative. It was always, like, love shows or movies. <laughs> I just wanted to live in someone else's reality for a while. And that's what we did every night. Like, we put Asher to bed at, like, 5.30. He woke up at, like, 4 a.m. and 5.30 a.m. Like, every day. But I was okay with that as long as I could just put him to bed. And then we could have our alone time, like, just watching TV. But, of course, that wasn't time with each other. So, yeah, we've had to make an effort and it helps that my parents have moved here last year I'm jealous because now they like we've trained them they've gone through training on how to do all that stuff so we finally went on an away trip um last year and so that really helped like we just we're trying to be better about taking dates now that we have this awesome amazing free babysitting um, yeah so, it's not, you couldn't just yeah. leave Asher with anybody. Like Patty and no. I will complain like, oh, it's hard. You know, somebody has to get used to our kids or no. But for you, it's like you literally can't leave him for a certain amount yeah. of time because <laughs> real medical stuff needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Like every, yes. So yeah, it, it's hard to take the time, especially we have with kids. Like time just goes so fast. You're like, whoa, it's been so long since we've had our last date. But yeah, trying to make the effort is difficult, but yeah, it is. 
it's much easier now that mom and dad are here. <laughs> well, she still prays for me at three o'clock in the morning sometimes. Every now and then, maybe once a month. Oh. I don't really know. She does. I'm sure she does. I'm sure she does too. She likes me, which is good because I need her to pray for me. <laughs> um, what about Raya? Like one of the things that I always am fearful of is that I'm causing more trauma because they have a special <laughs> needs brother because our house can get really chaotic and they probably will legitly have PTSD for some of the episodes that Jackson's had. Although they all switched around which one causes the, P- the PTSD. So <laughs> equity, you know, but right. how, how is Raya in all of it? Like, has she gotten to a point where she realizes that her sister, her sister, her brother is a little different? Does it not affect her? Does she get jealous of all the time that you spend with Asher at moments? If she was younger when a lot of the intense things were happening and now that things have kind of settled right. out, is it just kind of, it doesn't really affect her as much? Yeah, she takes it all in stride. Like, it seems like it doesn't affect her. I'm sure I'll find out in therapy when she's older that it was terrible. To her. But right now, she seems awesome. Um, more when she was a baby, I just couldn't give her a whole lot of attention. I mean, Asher took so much attention. Plus, he craved attention. And she was an incredible baby. Um, so she would just sit there, like, stick her in the bobby, and, like, she could just sit and watch us play and be totally content. And so I did that a lot at the time. <laughs> she would just sit there. And by the time she was one, she could not crawl. She could not roll. She could not, she didn't make any noises. And I was like, oh my word, I have done this to her. And I think a lot of it was probably because I didn't interact with her a whole lot as much as I should. So that I, I was like, oh my word, so she had therapy, PT, and <laughs> to help her uh, move along. So I don't know if that was my fault, but of course I blame myself for it and I felt awful. Because um, she was just so happy. She would just sit there. And so I just didn't work with her. I was, constantly working with Asher. Um, well, he requires so she's much. Happy. She's happy to watch. Yeah, she's happy to watch us. So like, she's super independent, uh, like unbelievably so, because she'll just get up and do her own thing and get herself ready because she knows I'm I'm busy with Asher. And at night, you know, her routine takes three minutes and it takes an hour. It's just like she, she's used to it. It's been her whole life. So she doesn't, you know, thankfully it wasn't like he came in when she was five and um, she's jealous of his time. So she she's just used to it always been used to it um but now thankfully she's normal there was a year I was like oh my goodness I didn't give her enough eye contact she's gonna turn into a sociopath like (laughs) what if she has problems all because of that like and she's totally normal now but it was like Asher went to all day first grade for the first time and that day was the first time I thought what does Asher Rhea want to do because I never actually asked myself that thought or asked her what she wanted to do because she was so content it was always what does Asher want to do because he's the only one that has all these needs and and he's just super like needy and opinionated and she just wasn't she would just do whatever Asher wanted to do so man it's been crazy so we had her like she's in an extra year of preschool um so that I can just have more time with her because now our state does or our county to um, full day kindergarten and so I'm like oh I can't lose her already like I've just not had that much time with her I realized I like I don't even know her like I look at her baby pictures and I'm like I don't remember any of that <laughs> I remember oh. her it's terrible because I feel like I passed all that by I don't somehow I missed it and so I'm just trying to recapture the time now with those few hours I have before Asher gets home because when he comes home it is seriously Asher time like he needs home where he needs help with home where he needs home. Like, he has all his stuff. And so then it's like, Rhea just goes and does her own thing automatically. <laughs> but the second she has me, it's like, oh, my word. Mom, we are playing, and this is my time. Like, she is very intense about 
taking over that time that she has with me because now she knows she's learning to advocate for herself Mm -hmm. yeah so it's good but yeah it definitely affected her um yeah she's doing really well and she adores him (laughs) so it's good that's good so my last thought and this Mm -hmm. is something I always think about because so my son has permanent brain damage and in my head, I'm always like, I just wish it was medical or something else. I mean, I guess it is medical because whatever. We're not going to go through the semantics. Yeah. But it would be easier to have someone who is cognitively able to just be quote unquote normal versus this. But then I think of like all the other medical stuff you have to deal with and the, the possibility of losing your son and like all that kind of stuff. And it's, there's not one that's better or not better. Because then just, if they are cognitively aware, then they're aware they're of the differences as well. Yeah. And Jackson a whole, might not know. Jackson may, yeah. Jackson's going to live life probably like this. He'll know that he will know that something's different because he will. I mean, I don't think he can go yeah. through life without it, but he, I don't think I'm the one projecting how hard it's going to be for him, not him. Yeah. Like it is going to sure. be hard for him in the sense of like, he is going to be this, you know, could be this. 24 year old who has no impulse control and I know he's not going to want to be that person because he does have empathy and he does have all that stuff right so it's going to be hard he's going to have a hard life but I project so much more on it when if I could have a child like Asher who was just cognitively could, could read like do all this yeah stuff. but then you like it's like there's pros and cons like if you actually wrote down the pros and cons of it all it would be equal you know like there's not one that's better than the other they're just so it's all hard it's all hard and it's yeah. all different, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, I know, like I know you think that, but I think that same thing too. That you think as far as <laughs> that it is easier that he is cognitively okay. Like I, I agree with that, and I, I think it's not fair. Of course, you can't compare, and every situation is different. So every mom and I say a different thing. But I, I do think like having, you know, I have two nephews with autism, and so like seeing that, I think it is. I think okay. I was like, Holly is so hard. I for was Holly. thinking of the other one, and then not mine. I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> Dawson is your nephew. Wow. Okay, yes. Sorry. You continue. have fun with <laughs> And so I think no, it is so much easier because yes, with Asher, like I can, he gives me back so much emotionally. You know, like he can say, "Mommy, I love you." Like, I mean, your kids can too. So I guess, but um, I know Dawson can, but like. I don't know, like, it. He, we can have a conversation in a relationship. I feel like the relationship that he gives me is so so awesome. And and he can talk to me while we're doing medical stuff. We can hang out. Like, he's, you know, it's fun. And so it is, I mean, yes, of course, there's pros and cons. But I feel like it is so much easier that I can have a relationship with him and not and talk to him and explain. Because, like, when he was two, and I couldn't really, that was so much harder. We couldn't discuss mm. things. And now his, his whole care, everything is easier because he can process it and we can discuss it um so yeah I, I feel like physical medical needs are easier than a, a cognitive issue to deal with their whole life you know that is, you guys are incredible that's why <laughs> so, I said that because I wanted to hear that I could be the martyr <laughs> it's okay my life is still harder than yours so thank you very much oh my it. gosh like, Cassie yes. you've just yes, given sorry. us this really heart-wrenching story um but now can we say that your life is still better than mine <laughs> <Are you kidding? laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well I, just, I think it's impo- like 
the whole idea, like regardless if it's a medical issue or a brain issue or anything, like in the end, it's like the same though. Like my marriage is was strained and is strained at moments because we have a child yeah. that has higher needs. Yeah, and you're right. you're you do so much more than the average neurotypical healthy uh-huh, use the yeah. word <laughs> child like parent because there's so much more to advocate for there's so much more to do it like despite the fact that it's different and it's we all are scared of being alone and I think any parent whether yeah. you have a healthy child or unhealthy child or neurotypical child or typical child everybody's or, got uh, something everyone's you got know. something there's and a I'm, single mom with five totally neurotypical kids but she's doing it by herself and has you know yeah, yeah. it's yeah, motherhood in general is hard and raising kids is hard. And I think we all have mm-hmm. the same fears. I think we all f- at one point feel alone. I think at another point we all are in an aisle bus and yeah. don't want to <laughs> tackle the life ahead of us. And I also think we really worry about our kids' self-esteem and how they're going to turn out. Like how are they going to, how they're going to be emotionally well-being, you know? Like in that yeah. end, we're all just mothers. Mm-hmm. Well said. <laughs> Well, Cassie, thank you for being vulnerable with us and telling us your story. Um, I'm happy to hear. I've been praying for you since day one of Holly getting that call and being mad at you, which she should apologize for. I think she's publicly apologized for. That's true. Okay. I'd like to hear a real apology. She didn't even remember it, guys. (laughs) (laughs) But deep down in there, my brain remembered and probably reacted to you negatively. It wasn't all your walls went down. It wasn't when, the, when yeah. the person told you stuff was wrong. It was when I started berating you. It's true. Um, back, to, back on track. That was funny, though. Um, I'm glad to hear that Asher's doing well, and I'm glad to still be jealous of y'all's relationship and that you have an amazing mother and father and like, family unit. And thanks for sharing your story with us. Well, thank you so much for praying and for inviting me on the show and letting me share. Very fun. Of course. Yay. Yeah, I never know how to really, really end it. So, uh, thank you. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thanks for riding on the denial bus. But your stop's coming up. You're going to have to get off. Get back to the real world. Life. Don't worry. You got this.